0: Tom Woods Show, episode 1591.
1: Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. A lot of our
0: people complain that the Pentagon spends and wastes a lot of money, but the damage it does to the American economy and to American society is much greater than just that. It deforms the economy in ways most people don't even realize. Get the full story in my brand-new free ebook, The Pentagon Versus the Economy. Pick it up at militaryeconomy.com. Hey, everybody. Tom Woods here. Well, it's always fun to have Scott Horton on The Tom Woods Show. That is something we can say for sure, and I'm delighted to have him back. You know, Scott has credentials, you know, as long as his arm. He's, of course, the host of the Scott Horton Show. You can check him out at scotthorton.org. He's also the host of Anti-War Radio on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. He's the director of the Libertarian Institute over at libertarianinstitute.org and, of course, has been with antiwar.com for years and years and years. He's the author of Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, a book that will just knock your socks off. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the Libertarian Party, and Jacob Hornberger, who is our favorite candidate. Not to say he's the only good guy. Um, There are other people who are good, and that's fine too, but we prefer Jacob, and he's uh, had some success recently. We want to talk about that. But I do want to say about Hornberger, in case it doesn't become obvious, in case you haven't heard our previous episodes, the guy is a really, really great representative of libertarianism, so it's a real delight to be able to endorse them. So we'll talk about that and then just see where the conversation goes. Scott, welcome back. Thanks, Tom, happy to be here. All right, today we actually have some good news. You know, I don't, Scott, you're a great guy. I have a lot of fun spending time with you, but I don't associate you in the podcasting world with good news. So this is a nice, (laughs) nice change of pace. But before we get to that, you want to say a little something to the folks about something you said when you were on the show before. So I'm just gonna let you say whatever it is you wanna say.
1: Yeah. And I'll try not to go on too long. A couple of things. The first thing is I'm working on the book and your audience, especially was so generous uh, last summer in supporting the fun drive for the new book. And I'm sorry, I wish it was out by now, but you know how I get where I kind of belabor the details a little too much. It's sort of like that, but I'm, I am working on it every single day. So I want people to to know that. And I'm really appreciative for all the support. And then, but secondly, the thing is, is I owe your audience an apology. Um, I was right—the thing I said—but I said it wrong. When we're last time I was on the show, I think we were talking about the Iran nuclear deal, and I sort of, you know, the way I said it it made it sound like I was insulting your audience, like all they know is a bunch of right-wing talking points or whatever. But that's totally not what I meant by that. Um, and I, in fact, I you objected at the time, and I saw in the comments section some people really didn't like the way that came out. But what I was really getting at was that I get emails constantly from your audience. That say to me, gee, I was a right winger on foreign policy until I heard from, you know, learned from you on the Tom Woods show. And this is, you know, how I came to understand about the Iran deal or about the war in Yemen or about the Iraq war, which I had supported and now I don't anymore. So I wasn't really referring to your hardcore following in your Facebook group there, who they already know everything I know and more. But you do cast a, a pretty broad net. And and most libertarians come from the right anyway. And you somewhat a little bit culturally speaking, historically lean a little bit right and have kind of a broader outreach to people coming into libertarianism from the right. And, you know, frankly, one of the last things that people get to figure out when they come from the right into libertarianism is that anti-imperialism is at the heart of what we're about. And you don't have to be a commie to hate this foreign policy. And. Just like this was the power of the Ron Paul presidential runs. If you like your identity, you can keep it. You just don't have to believe in this stupid war stuff anymore. And so all I was trying to do was just say, like, in that particular case, it was like, I know you guys have heard essentially the right wing narrative about the Obama nuclear deal, that all oh, the pallets of cash and all this kind of stuff. When the reality is actually a lot more, uh, a lot closer to the way his partisans would have put it at that point that's the only thing he ever did right in his whole life probably i guess the cuba thing it's the only thing about obama that i support was that iran deal but anyway i just didn't want to make it sound like i was criticizing your audience and calling them ignorant or or even calling them conservatives and right-wingers when they're not it's a libertarian show and a libertarian audience a lot of these people are coming from the right and um so anyway i just wanted to apologize about that and try i don't know if i made myself any clearer but, um,
0: no, that's fine. Look, I'm here you, for Scott. you. I'm, I'm trying to help.
1: That's all, you know?
0: Yeah, no, no, no. And and in that episode, I, I did pipe up and say, now, hang on a minute. My, my folks already know that. And I, I know, you know, that. so it's no problem. I mean, nobody- but you have
1: a huge audience. I mean, that's the thing. So you're hardcore. They already do know, but a lot of the new people, maybe they don't, you know, and, yeah, and yeah, because yeah. media is so polarized nowadays, if you listen to conservative leaning media You probably have never heard a decent case for the nuclear deal in your life. You know what I mean? You probably only ever hear criticisms of it. And depending on which media ecosystem you're a victim of, you might really be cut out of some important insights, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So, all right, let's move on to the happy news then. Yeah. Which has to do with our old friend, endorsed by you and me for what that's worth, for the Libertarian Party presidential nomination, Jacob Hornberger had some good news in recent days.
1: Yeah. Well, so the Iowa thing was such a catastrophe for the uh, Democrats and that got all the attention, but uh, Jacob did really well in the Iowa caucus there. He won with, I think it was 47% of the vote, uh, about as strong a plurality as you could possibly get without winning an outright majority there. And... Um, so that's really good. And you know, it seems like you know he's got a lot of momentum going. There's Super Tuesday is coming up and there are three primaries on Super Tuesday where the Libertarians are on the ballot. And that's California, Massachusetts, and North Carolina. And like Iowa, those are non-binding on the delegates as far as how they vote at the national LP convention in Austin, here in Austin in May. But it's still important and it's still a strong indicator of the level of support that um, he's been corralling there. And also on February the 25th, there's another one in Minnesota. And all I know from, you know, I talk to him every you know week and a half or two or something like that. And he's just having the time of his life. He's going to these conventions, the state conventions every weekend and giving his stump speech and meeting people. And everywhere he goes, he tells me people come up to him and say, I'm here because of Scott Horton and Tom Woods and Dave Smith and, and, or, Michael Heiss and the Mises Caucus. And then this is what I was really counting on, Tom, and it is coming true. And that is that a lot of people who are the old guard in the Libertarian Party, they love Hornberger and they always have. And they remember him from 25 years ago uh, and 20 years ago when he was still in the party and making a ruckus and they're happy to have him back. And so that was part of our secret mission here was we're doing this sort of outsider almost like putch or something into the libertarian party, the libertarian movement. We're trying to corral tens of thousands of people if we can, everybody we can to all join and all bum rush the party and all to support Hornberger. But so how's that going to look to the people inside the party? The answer is it looks fine because it's Hornberger is the one that we're hoisting on our shoulders. He's the one that we're trying to put in there. And he's known as a, a plumb line libertarian guy, radical minarchist and is appealing to just about all factions. And so here we are, a bunch of outsiders kind of smashing our way into the LP, but we're bringing, you know, one of our greatest champions to come and be the standard bearer. So I think it's working. I think people are are grateful uh, rather than resentful at our, you know, outsider, you know, game that we're playing here because it's only only halfway that way, you know?
0: Can we just clarify something you said there about the results of these primaries not binding the delegates because this is quite different from how the nominee is determined by the democratic and republican parties
1: right well and of course historically speaking the republicans and the democrats always did their deciding at the conventions and it's really only in the last say what like 40 years uh maybe 50 years that the it's kind of the era of the primaries where that really has kind of uh taken precedent but with the libertarian party you know, I'm I'm no expert on the electoral politics angle of this, but from what I understand, it seems like this comes down to the convention every time and it's not a matter of, I mean, it, it could be that in some states, results of primaries or whatever are binding or, or uh, votes at state conventions or whatever. I'm not sure of the rules, but I know that overall it's decided with floor votes at the conventions. And that's why it's so important that people don't just kind of, you know, click like on Facebook, but they really do join the libertarian Party, join their state party, do whatever it takes to participate in the actual process to become delegates. you know uh, here in Texas, I, I think this is right. I mean this is what my buddy has told me he's he's done the research. he said for me and the group of people that I've kind of organized to join up here, my libertarian friends in Austin that We have to go to the precinct convention on this day, this day, and this day. And we have to go to the state convention down in Brownsville, which I don't know why they put the very Southern tip of Texas, but anyway, and then we have to do all of that to be able to be delegates to the national convention. So in your state, ladies and gentlemen, it might not be that difficult, but it might. And the important thing, in fact, I need to double check with Michael Heiss about that. That just sounds so crazy to me. Um, so exceptionally difficult to get done, but, um, I'm willing to do it. And, and, uh, I think it's working. I mean, I think, you know, I came on the show what last November and I pitched this whole thing as let's try to recreate the Ron Paul revolution here. We have a guy that we can believe in a guy that we can count on a guy that if we do the work, knocking on doors, signing petitions, being delegates, doing whatever we have to do to support on the organizational level, we can rest assured that this guy's representing our movement and our philosophy very well out there on a Ron Paulian level ah, uh, very well. And that it's really something worth getting behind. And it's worked. I mean, from everything Jacob's told me is everywhere he goes, he does great. And everywhere he goes, people come up and they say, listen, I'm part of this Hornberger revolution. Cause Tom Woods sent me. And so, you know, huge appreciation, and, and, you know, I'm so grateful. I know Jacob is so grateful to your audience for really coming through. And I mean, my audience too, but yours is 10 times bigger than mine. And so,
0: well, look, you know, he's been on the show uh, several times over the years, uh, starting the very, very early episodes and then up till quite recently. In fact, one of my most listened to episodes is a Hornberger episode because I, you know, as time goes on, my episode titles seem to have gotten longer and longer because I get into more specific topics. But I came up with a Beautiful one for his re- semi-recent episode with me. It was simply abolish the CIA. Now people had to listen to that. You have an episode title like that, you have to click play. Yep. And then they heard him, and he just what's impressive about him is, as you say, he's been writing articles every single day. He writes an article every day for years and years and years and years and years. Well, after a while, you know, every, just pretty much everything when it comes to yep. libertarianism, he knows the ins and outs of everything, and he will represent us well and and in fact when i look at people who let's say you know might not like me that much i mean there there are a handful of those scott but yeah, it's amazing to me i, I it's i know it uh, but yet when they go to criticize hornberger they really he must be the squeakiest clean guy in the world they can't find a thing except woods likes him you know <laughs> it'd be things like yeah. okay well fair enough but uh, do, like what is there anything wrong with him and they really they're just left stammering they they have nothing to say so that's a pretty good sign too but what do we say scott i mean we got to have some answer for this gary johnson had name recognition yeah jacob hornberger does not have name recognition so at least gary johnson had that going for him um you you know and so maybe the electoral result with a jacob hornberger is not going to be as strong so doesn't that concern you
1: it absolutely does and the answer is it's up to us and Frankly, my best idea is not good enough. My best idea is we'll just make sure and get him really good and briefed up and get him really, really good on Russia and let that drive the media crazy. you know, um, but that's not very good. <laughs> you know, he's not a governor. He's not a member of the House of Representatives. He's not a vice president. He's not you know, Mayor Pete isn't either, but even Mayor Pete's a mayor. So you're right. now he is a lawyer. He's got an advanced degree um. You know, we don't want to do anything silly, like take a chainsaw to the tax code or do anything that's kind of gimmicky. But I think you're right that this is a real problem that we got to figure out a way to make him famous. And I don't know what it is. And maybe people in your audience, maybe this can be a discussion in the Facebook group there, is how do we get this guy's name out there in a way that really establishes him in the minds of the American people and as a serious candidate, as a, as a real player in this thing? And I think, for example, if he could get that hour long town hall that CNN gave Gary Johnson last time, now I know he'd just knock it out of the park and he'd be a viral sensation and whatever, all of that stuff. The question is, how do we get him that CNN town hall in the first place? You know, how do we get him on Morning Joe in the first place so he can knock that Aleppo question right out of the park for them? And I really don't know. I mean, I think, you know, probably if we just one of my ideas was. If, you know, assuming he gets the nomination, that once he does get the nomination, then we just run him really hard against Trump for about five or six weeks and get the media, the liberal media excited about that. Oh, look, we can split the vote against the Republican. Let's do that. Let's promote this guy, which was their motive for paying so much attention to Johnson last time. And then once they take that bait and we get him out there, then let him turn around and make fun of Bernie Sanders all day, too, which is. Pretty easy, <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, just thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw Bernie Sanders' speech the other night after he won New Hampshire. He didn't mention I the didn't. wars once. Like, what is the point of being a communist if you're not an anti-imperialist? <laughs> you're a communist, but for the F-35? What is this? Anyway, there ought to be plenty of plenty of room <laughs> for Hornberger to to get you know lots of mileage out of both of them if he can get the attention in the first place. But I am absolutely open to ideas. I mean, I think that. You know, as you say, he's he's really starting from not even a state house seat here. You know, how do we get the momentum? I don't I don't really know. I I mean, part of it is, you know, money bombs and, you know, Jacob Hornberger revolution grassroots support across the country, Hornberger blimps and Google Jacob Hornberger and all the things that we did for Ron to try to publicize Ron all that grassroots support. It's on us to do it. We got to figure it out.
0: Well, I mean, look, that, let's face it. Most candidates in the history of the Libertarian Party have not been previous office holders. I believe that's a safe thing to say. Right. Like uh, Harry Brown and Maru and Badnarik, just three off the top of my head. Uh, who was the very first one? Now I can't think of his name. John Hospers. It's John Hospers. That's, mm-hmm. that's the guy. Okay. Um, I don't think he held uh, any office uh, either. He actually got an electoral vote, as a matter of fact. Uh, so Roger McBride, let's say, no, no, he had been in the Vermont house of representatives for two years. That was his entire political career. Uh, yeah. Ed Clark. So most of them haven't just FYI. Yeah. So, and, and I, I wonder about, um, did Jill Stein ever hold an office in the green party?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying this is, this makes it good or bad. I'm just saying it's not unprecedented.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, Nader wasn't an office holder, but he had real name recognition uh, previously, you know, as a consumer yeah, well, of advocate course, yeah, he, he would. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you know, I really think that um, the answer is, it's just going to have to be up to us. I mean, I know you remember, especially, you know, wait, the excitement around Ron Paul, people are, you know, plowing into their farm, you know, into their fields near the airport, Google Ron Paul. So when planes take off, they're like, what? This guy's got a." crop circle in his name out here. What is this? You know, just (laughs) making it exciting. You know, everybody on MySpace changing their picture to Ron and all those things, like that's what we have to do. We gotta get that level of excitement up. And I think, you know, especially once he gets the nomination then it's gonna be all in. And there's there's so many glaring and, and obvious weaknesses to exploit on the part of Trump and Sanders who I think is probably gonna get it, but whatever whoever else it is. If it's Bloomberg, even better. I mean, so.
0: Oh, geez. It, it's, uh, there would be there would be just an explosion inside the Democratic Party. I mean, up till recently, I really was focused primarily on the Republican Party as the one that was fraying. And I don't know how I was so short-sighted. Yes, the Republican Party really is internally divided. But geez, the Democrats, these, they just can't stand each other. And, and by the way, did you see this whole ridiculous thing with klobuchar like I, I i couldn't even care less about the difference I mean, who knows what the difference between klobuchar and Buttigieg is anyway right i don't know mm. but he made a comment about the the uh, impeachment hearings and he was saying you know it's so demoralizing to watch that you're tempted just to change the channel and put on cartoons instead but that's the cynic in us you know we we need to overcome that it's important for us to to keep watching to be engaged to be informed so he gives this little talk So Klobuchar then characterizes what I just said as, you know, the other day Mayor Pete said we should just turn it off and watch cartoons. And I'm sorry I can't do that. I have a responsibility. So it's like she knows she's lying, and then she kept saying it and kept saying it and kept saying – he never said we should turn it off and watch cartoons. He says you might be tempted to, but that would be the wrong thing to do. And she wrote this all through the debate and all through the New Hampshire primary. I mean what a disgusting
1: human being. That's so funny. Well, just the coverage of New Hampshire where all night long on MSNBC, they're celebrating Klobuchar's huge third place victory. I mean, wow, this is really her moment to shine. It's <laughs> just really third, huh?
0: And yet, you know, Ron Paul came in third in the Iowa caucuses in 2012. we had actually hoped he'd come in a little bit higher. Somehow, of all people, uh, who was that idiot uh, senator? Uh, Santorum in the headlights, Santorum uh, just came out of nowhere and, and ended up either uh, he and Romney were just a few votes apart. But anyway, third place for a guy, you know, over 20 percent of the vote for a guy who is more or less saying we got to start the whole country all over again. <laughs> we we to just chuck yeah. everything. We got started again. I mean, a really, really radical message for him to place that well. And there was there was like no media coverage saying, well, wow, that's amazing that a candidate this radical came in third but man, they can't talk enough about this boar <laughs> coming in third for the Democrats.
1: Yeah, yeah it's completely ridiculous, and the fact that she, I don't know what how she got her bump anyway—if it was the cartoon crack or what—but I mean, it shouldn't be too hard to beat Warren and Biden. But that it was her instead of—I don't know—why not Yang? At least he's got some personality or something, you know? I don't. Yeah, know. he doesn't
0: seem like a robot. Now, incidentally. Is there any talk about a vice presidential nominee? I mean, probably uh, we wouldn't- For Hornberger, be to I don't
1: know. I don't know. Okay. Oh, we should mention Gabber as long as we're talking about New Hampshire real quick. She did terrible. She got 3% and she had bet everything she had on touring around New Hampshire for months here, skipped Iowa entirely. So that's really disappointing to yeah, see. I, it, it's yeah, just somehow the wars are just not a priority on the liberal left side at all right now. Not at all, know? no
0: and i mean i think they were a big priority during vietnam because of the draft and and by the way that's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with saying i care about war because i don't want to be sent over there to die sure. pointlessly that's i mean if that's all we can get people you know that's if that's the only motivation we can get it's better than nothing so but, i'm not But you know in
1: 05 and '06, at least they pretended to care in order to exploit yeah. that and, you yeah, know, yeah, that's Stanford, true. But Cindy, almost all of them, I mean, what, the Congress,
0: yeah. But, but how many of them, how many of them, uh, you know, who were office holders at the time voted, you know, against funding the military or something, you know, did anything of Not substance of to stop? It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so, no, look, look we, we took but, wait, hold on a minute. Damn but, it, Scott. <laughs> this was supposed to be a good news episode. Now, what, what the hell <laughs> hey, are you all doing more here? Opportunity
1: for Hornberger, <laughs> man. <laughs> all the right. opportunity okay. for that's Hornberger. Better. Donald Trump said he's going to end these wars. Yeah, hashtag hope, hashtag change. Get back to me as soon as he ends a single one of these things. He's done nothing but escalate every one of them. He's escalated yeah. every single one of the wars he inherited from Obama.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, Mr. Wow. Humble's right, foreign yeah. policy.
0: All right, that's more like it. There's some energy. All right, all right. So what's next for Hornberger between now and the uh, convention? Do you know what he's up to?
1: Well, I know he's hitting – state conventions every single weekend. His only problem is trying to figure out, you know, how to rank them in order of importance and, and how to line up his airplane trips. You know, he told me he's afraid of flying too. He's doing all this while he's afraid of flying. uh, Oh my god! Flying all around the country every single weekend, going to these things and doing everything he can, you know, to drum up the support. And then I think he said that by the end of February or, or no, I guess it's the end of March is when all the state conventions finally wrap up and then he'll have a month before the national convention to do more broad campaigning. But right now, yeah, it's, I mean, the, the important part here is, you know, for, for people to, for us, I guess, to emphasize that the work is being done. It's my audience and your audience and Dave Smith's audience and Michael Heiss's um Mises caucus and these guys are getting together and are doing the work and so that stands also as an invitation to everybody who's not on board yet to get up out from behind Facebook and get out there and participate get yourself and your friend and your father-in-law elected to be delegates to the national convention we can do this and we have to make sure that this works and that Hornberger is our guy. And then we can run one hell of a general election campaign here, so.
0: Well, let me just say one quick thing to people listening who say, I don't care about the Libertarian Party. This doesn't affect me in any way. I remind you, it is called the Libertarian Party. When most right. people encounter the Libertarian Party, I guarantee you their first thought is not going to be, this organization probably doesn't really reflect libertarianism. No, 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 no. They will think – this is libertarianism. What else are they going to think? And right. so it does matter if the Libertarian Party is promoting libertarians and is, is, uh, is being courageous in taking on unpopular positions and, You're and so saying right things about that, that no one else says.
1: You know, my my institute is called the Libertarian Institute, and people say to me all the time, so is that all about the Libertarian Party and building up the Libertarian Party and funneling candidates into Libertarian Party and Libertarian Party? And I tell them, no, it has nothing to do with the Libertarian Party. And then they say, but what does it have to do with the Libertarian Party? And I say nothing. And they go, yeah, but what's the party part? This is, those two words go together, Libertarian and party. You know, what do you mean yeah. it's a movement and not a party? Of course it's a party. You know, that's just the presumption. It's so baked in. It's almost impossible to dissuade someone from understanding once they've kind of leaped to that conclusion, you know?
0: Well, so that's that's why I ultimately decided to become part of it because it it's a reflection on what I believe. And so I wanted to see what I could do. So I've had a whole bunch of my listeners in that spirit go ahead and join the party. And I even have a link for them to do it so that people know where these new, Members are coming from. They're coming from the Tom Woods show. So, yep. uh, LP, of course, the initials for Libertarian Party, tomwoods.com slash LP is the link to join the party and join Scott and me and Dave Smith and all the cool people. I mean, really, could you imagine not wanting to be part of a thing that has Dave and Scott and me? And I, I don't know who these people are. I mean, that's impossible, right? We're, we're doing something and you guys should all be part of it. Uh, Scott, what are your parting words? This will probably be our shortest conversation of all time.
1: Yeah, Um, I just want to say thank you to you and to all of your audience for going for this, for participating in this. I think it's, this year we have the potential to wage a Ron Paul revolution-sized public relations campaign for peace and liberty. That's what the Ron Paul revolutions were, those two campaigns is, the greatest speaking tours on behalf of peace and freedom and sound money that has ever been given. And that's the mission that we're on and we can do it. Obviously we need everybody's help to make it happen, to make the biggest thing out of it that we possibly can. So thanks a million to everybody who's already joined up and started participating and thank yous to everybody who I just convinced who are going to, you know, do what they can to help out now. And even if you don't become a delegate, you know, at the very least, do your work on your social media or whatever it is to help make this thing viral, help promote, do whatever you can to make a big deal out of it. And then, yeah, thank you.
0: Well, thank you, Scott. Um, so the the links to remember today are tomwoods.com slash LP. Uh, also, what about Jacob's website? <laughs> I totally forgot about that.
1: Yeah, it's jacobforliberty.com. That's what I thought, and it's
0: jacobforliberty. It's not the number four. It's the actual word, F-O-R, jacobforliberty.com. And then the third thing is um, I support Scott Horton every month, and you should support Scott Horton also. You can do that over at scotthorton.org. You'll see a donate tab. Go ahead and do that because Scott is doing heroic work for us, and we should support people who do heroic work because we're libertarians, and we're always saying we don't need to be forced to do things, so... If you don't do this voluntarily, you're going to embarrass the whole libertarian world. So don't do that. Go support Scott Horton. Thanks again, Scott. Talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, Tom. Appreciate
0: it. All right, folks, that's going to do it for today. Guess what's coming next week? It's Walter Block Week. Walter Block is one of the most prolific libertarians ever. Not just living, but ever. His record of publication is almost unbelievable. And I mean that in the literal sense of unbelievable. So, and it's not just that he's written a lot. He's a great communicator, as you'll see next week. He can take complicated things and explain them so well and beautifully and argue them so well and beautifully. We're gonna have a great time next week. So if you haven't yet subscribed to the Tom Woods Show, please do so at tomwoods.com Apple. And if you enjoy and appreciate what I'm doing over here, I sure would enjoy seeing you in my supporting listeners group. Which, by the way, if you so desire, one of the benefits of that, and just one of the benefits of that, is membership in the Tom Woods Show elite, where we have great discussions and great camaraderie. So go check that out at supportinglisteners.com as your weekend homework assignment, and I'll see you next week.
1: Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.